Welcome to Kindly Gifted. I'm your host, Kate Tarantiva, and I can't wait to unwrap the world of influence with you. Every day, your gifted episodes, see what I did there, to help you become fluent in the business of creativity and learn the best kept industry secrets to creating an online presence worth remembering. It's really like having a momager on speed dial. So let's dive into it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before you learn from our guest, I'd love to introduce her to you. Meet Dolma Altan. She's a TikTok creator and entrepreneur who helps women start and scale impactful brands. Her content covers D2C brands, celebrity and influencer brands, as well as tech startups. And she runs a community of 1,900 women e-commerce founders around the world called Make Lane. You've probably already seen her on TikTok as TikTok's B-School for Women. Check out all of her social media handles in the show notes below, as well as her podcast, Due Diligence, and her Substack. Let's get into the episode. I'm really excited to have Dolma Altan on B-School for Women. I would love to dive into how you started your TikTok journey, because I know you were working as an advertising strategist at Google, and then you started your entrepreneurial journey as a founder and as a CEO. And how did you begin creating content on TikTok and start that entire creator journey as well? Yeah, it's been a very winding journey for me. So when I was in undergrad at Brown, I was studying international development, um, but I fell in love with the startup scene and especially D2C brands because I love branding. I love brand storytelling. And it sounds like you also have an affinity for that. So I had this internship um, over the summer one year at an agency called Red Antler. They do branding for fast growing startups in the consumer space. And I, I just really fell in love with it. And so I thought, okay, that's interesting. That that gives me a clue about kind of what, um, what I like. And then I graduated. I took my first job at Google as an AdWords account strategist, which was basically a little bit of sales, a little bit of customer support, just helping people set up advertising campaigns. And it was an amazing team, a great organization to be at. The perks are awesome. Um, but I quickly realized I'm not cut out for a corporate environment. So I wasn't there very long. And I left um, to initially because I wanted to start some sort of content commerce platform around clean beauty. And then I realized, wait, Credo Beauty exists. Detox Market exists. Goop was starting to take off around that time. And I was like, they're way more well-funded than I am. So let's table this. And then for the next couple of years, I did various different projects and freelancing. But then in 2017, I started Potion, which was my first business, a clean fragrance retail store online. And the idea was, how do we make it easier for consumers to sample, discover, and buy non-toxic fragrances from these beautiful artisan perfumeries around the world that are kind of under the radar? Um, and so I got about 11 or 12 brands on board um, that make these very sort of beautiful luxury fragrances um, that are made of completely botanical ingredients. And I found a, a sort of a natural perfume blogger to help me get it off the ground. And I bootstrapped that for a couple of years and pretty much eventually learned, okay, 
the biggest thing that we had going against us was margins. We just didn't have the gross margins we needed. And now I know margins are really important in e-commerce and any kind of physical product-based brand, in any kind of a business, but especially when you have sort of like the fixed costs of, you know, shipping and all the logistical stuff of e-commerce. And so that was a, a hard one lesson, but a lesson nevertheless. And while I was working on Potion, I'd moved down from the Bay where I was for about four and a half years to Los Angeles. I kind of want to just uh, leave SF because I had entered the beauty space and it didn't make sense for me to be in like a very tech focused space. So I went to LA and I didn't know anyone there. And I remember thinking, I want to network with other women in beauty, beauty entrepreneurs, e-commerce entrepreneurs. And I could not find any communities online that were just women in e-commerce or women in D2C. And I found a lot of e-commerce communities that were full of what I call e-commerce bros. And they were, you know, really all about that kind of like arbitrage, Amazon FBA, make a lot of money and then buy a Lamborghini, that kind of vibe. I started this group and kind of grew it, you know, one by one. And every time somebody would join, I would ask them, what are your pain points? What, how can this community serve you? How can we make this not just another Facebook group that you join, but actually a useful resource for you that helps accelerate your journey as an entrepreneur. And they would tell me, okay, I'm struggling with, you know, fundraising. I'm struggling with, um, marketing. Those were two of the biggest ones, honestly. And so I started to bring in different guest speakers to just teach workshops. And I'm, I'm so gung-ho about cold emailing. I'm very shameless about reaching out to people. I really believe in that. So I would just do whatever it took to bring in excellent sort of like experts and founders and investors and um, agency owners to teach very specialized tactical workshops. So we brought in, you know, Nick Sharma to teach a, a launch sort of strategy. And then we would bring in, um, we would bring in the founder of Mented Cosmetics or the founder of Hubble Contacts to teach sort of like how they raised funding or how they figured out their supply chain and operations. So really tactical stuff, because that's what I was missing when I was working on Potion during my Potion days. Um, and people really liked it. And they were starting to say, this is so valuable. And I can't believe you're giving away all this value for free. Because at that point, I was organizing two to three workshops for free every single week, just for fun. And this was taking over my life. And I really enjoyed that. Um, but people were emailing me and saying, this is a lot of value that you're giving away. You should do a membership. You should do a course. You should, you should start charging. And also like, these are all the additional things that we would want from this community. And so I thought, okay, actually there's a business here. Cause people are literally asking me for these other products and services. And so that became make lane. And I started that in early 2019. Um, and the community still exists. I we've done, you know, over a hundred workshops, we've done courses, memberships, masterminds, all with the goal of accelerating women-owned brands. And I learned so much from that. I've had so many conversations with not only our actual guest instructors, but just, you know, being in the space, you network with a lot of people, you meet some incredible people, um, and you just end up absorbing a lot of information. Plus I was talking to all the different um, members of the community who are all at different stages from idea stage to, you know, making um, almost a hundred million in revenue a year and across all these different verticals. So I was just absorbing a ton of content and I didn't realize that I just love learning and I love helping and I love serving. So I was learning all this stuff um, kind of accidentally. And then last September, I remember thinking, TikTok is becoming such a thing. And I, you know, fancy myself a marketer. I like being ahead of like what's happening in marketing. So I just want to learn the platform. Um, plus it would be fun to have some sort of an audience, but I didn't really 
know what I was doing. And I kind of just hopped on TikTok and I told myself I'm going to post every day um, for a hundred days in a row, at least once a day. Um, and so I just started doing that. And at first I was kind of getting the hang of it. I was doing trends. It wasn't really going anywhere. But then by week three, I remember thinking what I really want to do is tell the stories of female founded companies. But I don't know if anybody on TikTok is going to like that. That's probably too nerdy. That's probably too specialized. Um, but I was very wrong because as soon as I started doing that, um, I really took off. So people really responded to my content. And also I used celebrity brands as a hook. I'm not somebody who necessarily follows a lot of celebrity gossip or anything. I'm not really sort of, um, that's not something that I consume a lot of content around, but I noticed that on TikTok, anytime you talk about the Kardashians, it seems to take off. So I thought maybe I can find that intersection and kind of Trojan horse people into learning about business and make, you know, make business more engaging and fun. So that's what I started to do and people really liked it. So that just became my format. And then within you know, a few weeks, um, I got more um, traction. And then within a few months, I was starting to get followed by celebrities and influencers. They would reach out to me and you know, ask me for advice and, and also just you know, regular brand founders, celebrities and non-celebrities. And I was getting invited to speak at different places and it was just incredible. It just really started to click for me. And, um, and then, a few months ago, it became full-time officially. So now I still have my community make lane that I've been running. And now I'm trying to figure out how do we sort of evolve this? How do I find somebody to help me run it so that I'm not trying to do all these things at the same time. Um, but now I'm also a TikTok content creator and I, and I want to start my own podcast, which you've probably seen me talk about, yes. um, <laughs> which I am just completely procrastinating on. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it needs to be perfect, which is obviously not true, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's basically what I'm doing. And I see this all as part of the same ecosystem of how do I help women accelerate their brands? That's just um, kind of what I, that's been my North star for a while. And, uh, and there are just all these different amazing platforms and formats that you can use to do that kind of thing now. Yeah. So then would you say that, that your like personal brand online is empowering women through your knowledge and experience and business and helping them get that same access to this information so that then they can like accelerate their own ventures as well. Yeah, I think that's basically what I am doing. I think that's basically the brand I've carved out for myself. And I, and it's not, I, I definitely have a soft spot for women, but really the bigger sort of like principle at play is I just want to be that bridge. I want to be that translator. I want to be, um, you know, somebody who's taking whatever kind of access or privilege I've um, gained from being in Silicon Valley and meeting the people I've met. And now also meeting a lot of incredible people because of TikTok. I want to take whatever I'm learning there and just make it more accessible, more fun and more engaging, more democratized because I, um, I just want to help people start brands that they care about. So that's amazing. You mentioned that you, I mean, and I've obviously seen this, um, you talk about celebrity and influencer founded brands. And I wanted to ask you from like a, a business strategy perspective, I'd say arguably that the next thing in like influencer marketing is influencer founded brands. We're already seeing such a huge influx of influencers becoming founders and in a kind of a really cool way, taking back influencer marketing into their own hands because now they're running those departments within their own brands. Do you see like from your side that that is kind of the same perspective that more and more influencers are starting to enter the entrepreneurial kind of era of their career? Yeah, definitely. I think we've been seeing that trend for a couple of years now. Um, in fact, I think so many people have started to do it that there are now best practices around, you know, what's going to set you up for success and what's not. Because I think a few years ago, people just thought, oh, if I have a platform and I 
have a fashion line or a beauty brand or a CPG brand, then people are going to buy, but that's no longer sufficient. You really have to have an edge. You really have to think like a, a regular entrepreneur and just think what is missing in the market? How can I find product market fit? How can I create something truly differentiated and, and um, valuable? Um, but it definitely does help to have a platform. And I also think a lot of influencers as the influencer world is maturing. I think people are realizing, okay, in order for me to have longevity in my career and build real wealth, instead of just, you know, making income from bigger and bigger brand deals, how do I create something that actually could um, be sort of independent of my name and my face and my likeness um, and that can stand on its own and maybe you know maybe it's a cash flow business or maybe you're trying to scale something that you can then sell someday to a bigger conglomerate or to a private equity firm but um, that exit is also I think financially kind of savvy for influencers who want to make sure that they're not just caught in the hamster wheel of having to create content year after year um, because you know it's a it's a really sort of uncertain career path even influencers who have done really really well they know that um, looking ahead five, 10 years, they need to start sort of um, diversifying. Yeah. In terms of diversifying, kind of being able to predict that strategy for yourself or map that out for yourself, do you think it's really important to have a really strong personal brand? Because then you may be able to see how it is that you're able to expand yourself in order to continue to serve your audience. I think as if, if, I think if you plan on primarily being an influencer, then yes, the, the personal brand is everything and how much of a, how engaged your audience is, how loyal your audience is and how much of a niche you're carving out. And maybe it's because you have an amazing entertaining personality, or maybe it's because you talk about something really specific like mental health, or, you know, there are creators I'm seeing who just mainly talk about sunscreen and, and that's a very specific niche and people care about that. So, you know, really figuring out what your value add is. Um, and also if you are considering being both an influencer and a brand founder, then the, the brand, if the brand is strong enough, if the products are strong enough, um, there's a little bit less of a need, I think, to worry about sort of like the longevity of your personal brand, because that can help jumpstart a brand. But if you plan mm -hmm. to be in it for the long haul, um, then the brand just has to be strong on its own merits. Contrary to, to popular belief, you know, being an entrepreneur and a person of influence is, is not as easy as it, as it looks on social media or how people make it seem on social media. What would you say are some things that influencers really need to consider before they start becoming a brand founder? It's not as easy as, okay, now I have a community and people want to buy stuff from me and I'm just going to found a brand. Like what really goes into to doing that? Yeah, well, that's such a good question. And I wish people thought about that more with more consideration. Um, but really what you need to think about if you're transitioning from influencer to also brand founder is first of all, the basics, the foundational, do I have a good idea? Is this actually a good idea? Is this doing something different? Am I just, am I just banking on the idea that my super fans are going to buy from me because it's mine and my likeness is on it? Or if I completely stripped away my own name and likeness, um, and my own personal brand, it would still stand on its own. That's what you want to aim for. And there are not that many brands that do that. Summer Fridays does that based mm -hmm. by Shay Mitchell does that. Um, skims honestly does do that, but then they happen to have the most famous person in the world as their founder. So that helps too. Um, Rare Beauty does that. So there are a lot of brands that even if you took away the influencer or celebrity name, they would stand on its own, but then there are a lot of them that don't. Um, so you really need to be honest with yourself about that because it's, you know, it's tempting to kind of just say, I want to make some cash. I want to, you know, I want to throw my hat in the ring of this influencer brand game, but, but 
it's not, it's going to be increasingly less worth it to do that because there's more and more consumer fatigue around celebrity and influencer brands. So you might just end up putting all this work into it and pouring all these resources into it, but then it might not really go anywhere beyond just, you know, initial sales bumps from your super fans. Um, it needs to have something more than that. You need to have repeat purchases. You need to have longevity. You need to scale over time, especially if you're thinking of selling to any kind of conglomerate or any kind of acquirer, what they really want to see when they're acquiring um, an asset like that, a brand is they want to see consistent growth rates. And you're not going to have growth rates if you have that initial spike of your fans and your community and your followers buying from you, and then nobody else is interested. And to get those other people interested, to get the broader public interested, you really need to have something solid. So that's what people should consider. And also, are you up for being an entrepreneur? Uh, do you either have a CEO or a COO or somebody on your team who can really sort of nurture that business like it's a baby because that's really what it is? Um, or do you have, you know, a really solid sort of like incubator that you're partnering with? These days, I'm more inclined to say it's better to build a team from scratch or partner with somebody who has entrepreneurial experience. Um, but, but there are some good incubators out there. But regardless of what it is, somebody needs to be really, really focused on that. Somebody needs to treat it like it's their baby, their all in on that. Um, ideally it's you and, you know, your team, but, um, but you really need to think about how much time truly goes into not only building a brand, which is the fun part, right? It's fun designing products. It's fun, you know, deciding on a logo. It's fun picking out the color palette, but most of building and scaling a brand is not the fun stuff. It's the shitty stuff. So you need to think about like, can I roll up my sleeve? Am I willing to dedicate myself to this or is somebody on my team willing to really just roll up their sleeves and like dedicate themselves to the not fun parts of scaling and building? and scaling an organization and trying to figure out all the things that, you know, go wrong as you're building something. So that's the other consideration. And what that, the risk of that is, of course, when you are an influencer, there are all these other things that are easily monetized for you. You already have brand deals coming in. You already have different campaigns. You already have different projects that you're doing that are probably more lucrative, but building a brand kind of really starts to pay off in the long-term more. So uh, it's going to be a distraction. So are you ready to really dive into that? It might even be a pivot in your career. And so you, like, I think influencers need to think honestly, ask themselves, am I ready to be an entrepreneur and make the sacrifices that are um, required with that? That is a really good point. I don't think a lot of people specifically in the influencer space really talk about that because <laughs> even from like a, like a talent management perspective, like a personal branding perspective, I don't see any of this conversation. It's just, oh, it's so easy to be an influencer. Look, anybody could do it. First of all, what is influence? It's literally serving other people and being able to like change people's behavior. And then, you know, the longevity of influencers and why we have so little of them that are truly successful is because those are the people that are able to extend their influence beyond just the online world, but also maybe have that entrepreneurial part of their personality that they're able to start other things and other ventures or partner up with people in order to create products and brands and services that are impactful that don't just lean on the influencer and their aspirational nature online. So that, I think that's really interesting. And I definitely wish more people talked about it, to be really honest. Because I'm also seeing that like now I'm in what I, I call myself an accidental TikTok creator because I wasn't planning on any of this. And now I'm basically full time. And even trying to create my own content, do brand deals, do the consultations I do, like that already is a very, very full play and trying to start a podcast. And then I have, you know, stuff going on um, outside of that. But that is already a very full plate. 
So I can only imagine if you're a really sort of more um, established influencer and you have all these obligations as an influencer, also trying to start a brand and do that justice, it's a lot of work. So people need to understand that it's actually a lot of work. You can't just kind of turn on the faucet and just have money, you know, pouring out of it because you launched a bunch of merch. Right. Or because somebody else did it really well and they didn't happen to show their journey of what internally that process looked like and showing only the outside of their successful brand. Um, yeah, yeah, that is definitely true. You mentioned something that I already had a question about and I feel like I'm literally like, I have my questions and every single thing you're like hitting already. So I'm like, are we <laughs> really on the same brainwave? Um, but I had a question about, you know, there's this question, questionable nature of authenticity and authority around influencers, not even starting their own brands, um, but even advertising for other brands. So in your expert opinion, what makes an influencer founded brand feel like a cash grab versus something that feels very genuine, either to the influencer's personal brand or just in general to the consumer, if the brand is not reliant on the influencer's likeness? Yeah, it's a great question. I, um, I think there are a few things. If, if the product and if the general category feels authentic to you, that's important, right? Like it makes sense that Hilly Bieber is going into skincare. She seems like a diehard skincare fanatic. It makes sense that Kim Kardashian started a shapewear brand. It makes mm -hmm. sense that, um, I mean, there, are, I don't know, Tyler, the creator has his kind of quirky like streetwear or golf wing or whatever. I don't even quite understand what golf wing is, but it feels very authentic to him. <laughs> so there's that. Um, so, so it needs to feel like it makes sense. Otherwise it's like, why is this person doing that? Is it just a cash grab? The other thing is if it, the more it feels like it's addressing a true gap in the market, in the landscape, it's, it's doing something different the more people are going to feel like, oh, there's authenticity behind this because they took the time to bother to try to find out what is missing and how to create a really great um, product. So that also, I, I think, factors into the authenticity conversation because there are brands or celebrities who have pretty good products, but they're not doing anything different. They're not doing anything new. It's very derivative. That creates a feeling of, well, if this is just a duplicate of what's already out there, then is it just a cash grab? So that's the other thing. It needs to be differentiated for it to feel authentic because otherwise people are going to assume that you're just trying to put your own name on things that already exist, which mm -hmm. a lot of celebrities do. And then I also think that people can tell how involved and passionate you are if you have a million things going on. So here's an interesting example. I, um, I think this is like the most extreme example I've had yet. When I talk about Ariana Grande's beauty brand, cosmetics brand, Ariane Beauty, I get a lot of people, like hardcore fans, like stands in the comments saying, I'm obsessed with her. I love her. I usually support everything she does, but this to me feels like a cash grab. It feels like a toy makeup brand. I'm not interested in this at all. I'm not going to buy anything. You mm -hmm. usually don't hear that. It's usually the hardcore fans who do say like, I love this. This is great. How dare you say anything bad about it? And so I think that discrepancy, partially my hypothesis is that it... <sighs> she has a full-fledged music career, right? Like she is completely all in on that. So people can tell that this is just kind of a, an afterthought for her. And, and that, that doesn't mean the products aren't necessarily good. I haven't tried them myself, but I think people just want to feel like they're buying into something where the founder is actually super involved and super passionate. And you can tell. Right. I think on the flip side of that, you have Halsey, who's both an artist in the musical sense, but also a 
an artist in the actual like fine art sense coming out with a makeup brand that's literally artistic and it's not about perfect beauty and creating the perfect look. It's about playing with color and reading, really treating your face as a canvas. And I thought, you know, immediately, well, first of all, the question was like, Halsey has a makeup brand, but it was like not necessarily reliant on her doing the marketing and people are obsessed with it because it, despite the fact that it, it's beauty, we all know what makeup is. It just feels so different than what we know in beauty today, which is the clean girl aesthetic or the very natural minimal look or everything has to be perfect. This is just play like, fuck it. It doesn't matter. And I think that that the two are so contrasting, which is so interesting um, yeah, I thought the same thing about REM Beauty. I thought um, it looks like it was made in an easy bake oven, but then also, <laughs> but then also just, I saw her advertising it and the marketing felt off. Um, it kind of felt a little robotic from a psychological perspective of, oh, you know, my, my manager told me, or like my, my PR person told me I need to advertise this, but I, I mean, that's, yeah, two different kind of perspectives where you have both very successful celebrities and people of influence and, and one brand feels a little, and the other one feels very true to, to her nature, which is so interesting. Yeah. Those um, are great examples. Halsey uh, about face is a great example. What do you think makes an influencer founded brand stand out from other brands that are being founded at the same time by people who are not necessarily people of influence? Like how can influencers stand out in specific niche you have Glossier founded by Emily Weiss, not, I mean, she obviously is like a, a niche celebrity in the entrepreneurial space in the beauty space, but she's not maybe necessarily the traditional kind of influencer. And then you have somebody who's like Halsey or, you know, a, a, somebody like Desi Perkins founding a, a skincare brand or a makeup brand. How can influencers really stand out when they're essentially kind of competing for attention with entrepreneurs who maybe have a little bit more of that business strategy experience? and founding brands. That's interesting. So, um, yeah, I think there was a time when it was actually easier for influencers to stand up precisely because they have that initial platform. Right. And distribution like that is such an edge because otherwise you have to spend money on ads. You have to hustle your way to get good PR. You have to do all this influencer marketing, gift a lot of products. Like there are all these levers you can pull for marketing and basically customer acquisition as a regular sort of like late person who's not a celebrity influencer, but they cost money. They take a lot of experimentation experimentation, they take time. And that can be honestly the biggest struggle for so many brands and founders. Um, and so there was a time when I think being an influencer meant you get, you got to sort of like bypass some part of that. Um, but now I actually think that becoming an influencer and starting a brand or being a celebrity and starting a brand, it's almost a bit of a liability because people are so skeptical. So you have to work overtime to overcome that skepticism. And I think that is an additional challenge you have to think about. So then we go back to, does it feel authentic? Does it feel like real? Is it, is it doing anything interesting or new? Um, do you seem actually involved and passionate? So there are those things. And then on the sort of side of just like actually scaling and competing with the glossies of the world, do you have a good team is really what it comes down to. Because when you look at Rare Beauty, for example, I mean, some might even say like Selena Gomez doing makeup, like it was a little bit random and some people were skeptical, but then they tried the products and they were like, holy cow, this is really good. And I actually attribute um, the brilliance of their strategy and the quality of their products, a lot of that into to the fact that they cultivated a really strong team. They built a strong team from scratch. They have somebody who made a really um, sort of like a meaningful investment who founded um, kind of like a hair brand of her own, Nikki Islami, and 
And so they have just the right people on board to really take this vision. And then Selena Gomez is free to be the, the talent and the distribution and kind of like that, that creative voice. Um, I'm sure she's involved in a lot of parts of it, but, um, but it's not all on her. And also it's not all on some random incubator that is also working on seven different brands at the same time. I've also seen, um, I don't know if you remember uh, like a marketing scandal that I would assume is probably related to people's perception of influencer sounding brands. This was like several years ago and it was Susan Yara's Saturium and the way that she launched it was interesting because she was advertising the products as if she was working with Naturium as an influencer and was marketing their products or her products really as if this was like some sponsorship or marketing integration within her YouTube videos. And then people found out and it was, it actually ended up backfiring, which I believe that the reason she ended up starting that strategy was because she thought she would get so much backlash from being yet another skincare influencer, founding another skincare brand. Um, and I mean, I don't know how well they're doing now. I'm assuming pretty well. And seems like people have kind of forgotten th this era, but it, it's very interesting to see how influencers try to bypass the authenticity angle or the, oh, well, there's a lot of other people that are more qualified as business people in this space. And I don't want to be seen as like an embarrassment or somebody who's not, you know, doesn't have enough authority in this space. But um, yeah, I, I do see what you're saying in terms of Rare Beauty having like a really strong team, especially with also Katie Welch and the marketing that they're doing behind that. I also heard you mention earlier that there's obviously the option of, of influencers founding their own brands, but then you have the side of influencers maybe working with a brand on a collection. So that's not their own brand, but rather some sort of line or, you know, single product that is created alongside a brand. How can creators figure out which is the right avenue for them to pursue, whether it's founding your own brand or just working with a brand on a collection like Michaela Nagara and Glamlight Cosmetics, for example? Yeah, I mean, it all comes back to your objectives. Um, if you are looking to maximize sort of like the cash that you're generating, um, but don't want to take the risk um, and don't want to put in the work of building a whole brand from scratch, which as we've covered is actually very difficult, much more difficult than a lot of people realize, then that can be a great path, right? Um, or recently, Nude Sticks partnered with um, two of their investors who are also influencers, who are also sort of like collaborators on limited edition collections, Glamzilla and I think Olivia Ponton. Um, mm -hmm. And they, um, they have an interesting model there because they were able to figure out, okay, these influencers are a good fit for the brand and strategic because they kind of capture, they target different audiences. So we are casting a wide net, but, but with sort of intention. Um, but we also want them to feel like they have skin in the game. So they're more incentivized to share. And so let's bring them onto the cap table as investors. But in order for the influencer kind of activations to feel authentic, because increasingly, I mean, it's not special to see an influencer promoting like a beauty brand or any kind of brand, right? Like we're, we're all kind of done with it. We're, we're all kind of over it. <laughs> and so even there, even with influencer marketing, you need to figure out creative ways to make something feel really special and collabs where you actually have products that you create with that influencer, um, that can be a really powerful way to do it. Another example is Glossier for the first time did a big sort of like celebrity um, partnership with Olivia Rodrigo. And they have, they didn't actually create brand new products, I don't think with Olivia, mm -hmm. but they, they have this whole landing page and she has her own kit that um, is filled with the products that she likes the best. And so that's another way of trying to achieve the same objective, which is, okay, let's, let's try to um, ramp up distribution um, 
and tap into this particular celebrity or influencer's um, audience, but how can we do it in a way that feels fresh and interesting and engaging instead of just another influencer or celebrity partnership? That's an absolutely great point as there's so many different ways to do that. And it's probably really about going back to those relationships that influencers have with brands and figuring out, okay, I'm ready to do something more than just another sponsored post or another branded, you know, selling real estate on my page to you. What else can we do together and being able to really build that relationship further into a brand or a product or a collection or something else investing into that brand, whatever. Um, my final question for you would probably be if you could name three brands that influencers can refer to um, and look into and reverse engineer if they're thinking about founding their own brands, what three brands would you say, like maybe across several different niches, can influencers look at as kind of examples of really successful, preferably like influencer founded or public figure founded brands? Yeah. Great question. So there are some celebrity founded brands, but I think for influencers specifically, I really like Summer Fridays. I think they're doing an amazing job. Um, I really like Crave Beauty by Leah Yu. Um, I, I think the products are genuinely good. And also what the advantage you have, um, if you're somebody like, um, Mariana to an extent, but especially Leah Yu is that if you create educational content, have a certain authority and credibility in your niche that actually tees you up really nicely for some sort of a brand because people are going to trust you, but then you have to not fumble the bag. You have to create something worth that trust and credibility so you don't lose it. Um, but that's, um, that's one thing to note. And then let's see influencer brands. Um, there are so many that it's like hard for me to think of one on the spot, but one, one that I was just thinking of making a video of, I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's refi or refi it's it's a brow mm, brand you know what I'm by Jess Hunt. yes the girl yes. with like the really amazingly beautiful Amazing. crazy eyebrows epic yes epic mm -hmm. eyebrows and it's in, it's in sephora and i actually think that this like i think increasingly we're gonna see influencers start to pull away from starting their own brand unless they are again like I think more influencers should reconsider whether they, whether they want to start their own brand, unless they're really willing to be entrepreneurs and unless they are willing to come up with something truly differentiated. Um, but in that case, there are other things they can do like the Glamzilla or like Olivia Rodrigo type stuff where you have some sort of a collection. Um, but also I actually really like what, um, what Jess Hunt did with refi, however you pronounce it, because <laughs> they are, instead of trying to start a cosmetics brand, that has product across all these different categories and you're kind of questioning, well, why would I replace any of my go-tos with any of these, right? That's kind of how I felt and maybe how other people felt about Item Beauty by Addison Rae. It's like, okay, you have like, what, what, what would make me switch from what I normally use to this? Whereas if you are really niching down and saying, look, I have these epic eyebrows. Let me teach you how to have epic eyebrows. This is a brow brand first and foremost. And she does have some other, she's like, I think lip products. And she does expand from that to diversify a little bit, but it actually makes a lot of sense for her to have the core of that brand all be all about positioning around brow products. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to hopefully see that more because I think it's a really savvy strategy for you to identify like the thing that you're really known for and just like create products specifically for that. I think that makes a lot of sense. That is absolutely a good point. Oh, what an amazing place to end this episode. And I'm so grateful that you came on and, and took the time to share your expertise and help influencers inform their decisions as to whether or not they really want to be founders and entrepreneurs and start their own brands. So I really appreciate your time, Dolma. Yeah, of course. Love talking about this stuff. 
Amazing. Check out Dolma's podcast, Due Diligence. We're all excitedly waiting for your first episode. I'm like watching all the stories of you taking notes. Like, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, definitely check it out. I believe it's also hosted on Anchor, right? This podcast is as well. Yeah. Oh, awesome. so, yeah. Yeah. You'll be able to listen to it literally anywhere. So I'm definitely excited for the first episode too. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Thanks for tuning in to Kindly Gifted. To support the podcast, please leave a review, share with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you follow me on TikTok at Kate Mob for more creative secrets from the internet's momager. See you on the next episode of Kindly Gifted.